Dedicated missionary service returns a dividend of eternal joy, which extends throughout mortality and into eternity. I want it absolutely clear that I declared to the world in the most straightforward language I could summon that the Book of Mormon is true. True disciples of Jesus Christ are willing to stand out, speak up, and be different. If you're not a full-time missionary with a missionary badge pinned on your coat, now is the time to paint one on your heart. God has something unimaginable in mind for you personally and the church collectively. A marvelous work and a wonder. In this church, what we know will always trump what we do not know. Missionary work is an identifying feature of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Always has it been, ever shall it be. Let us be awake and not be wary of well-doing, for we are laying the foundation of a great work, even preparing for the return of the Savior. What is going on, everyone? How's everyone doing? Welcome back to the podcast. I hope you all were able to enjoy your conference weekend last week. I know that General Conference is amazing for a lot of reasons, but if I'm being totally honest, one of my favorite things about General Conference is to just be able to sit on my couch with my wife and our German Shepherd and eat crates for breakfast while we were watching the speakers. I've attended conference in person a couple times, And I know the thing that I'm going to say next might sound a little bit blasphemous, but I didn't really enjoy it all that much. I think both times I got soaked in the rain and my seat was so far away that I had to watch the big screen just to see the speaker anyways. It hardly felt like I was even in the meeting because the speaker was this tiny little speck hundreds of feet away from me. So it didn't really feel all that different than just being at home except for the fact that I was freezing cold and soaking wet. And I'm kind of a big introvert, so I don't really like crowds. I'm sure many of you have had better experiences, but 10 times out of 10, I think I would just rather watch it than actually go. And I swear, like every general conference, my bishop is always wanting to give me tickets to go. And I'm just like trying to avoid being struck by lightning because I know it just looks really bad to say thanks, but no thanks, I don't really want to go. But if you haven't ever had the chance to go and attend in person though, Go do it if you can, because it's just one of those things that you have to experience. I know a lot of people go and it's completely life-changing for them. It kind of sucks that it wasn't really that way for me, but I'm still glad that I've gone. Anyway, guys, today's going to be a big episode because I'm going to be covering one of those topics that's gotten a lot of attention in the missionary world the past few years. But before I introduce what the topic is, let me tell you my story. So this next week will mark the 10-year anniversary of me leaving on my mission back in 2013. Wow, that makes me feel so old. But this event will always hold a special place in my heart because it marks the day where the rest of my life would be changed forever. I mean, it really changed my life in many ways, and leaving for your mission will do the same for you too. But one thing in particular that changed pretty dramatically for me was my mental health. I really want to be careful here about how I talk about this because this is an extremely personal detail about my life that I'm sharing with you guys. And I do it with some hesitancy, but I want to try and share my story with you in a way that will leave you feeling hopeful and confident about your ability to serve a mission, especially if you have any fears about how it might affect your own mental health. Okay, so let's rewind my life a little bit before I talk about my mission so you guys have some more context. 
So when I was just a little tyke, like five or six years old, my parents got a divorce. I can hardly remember this experience or anything that led up to it, but I do remember not long after that, both of my parents being married to someone else. I think that because I was so young, it was hard for me to really understand anything that was going on at the time. And because my parents did such a good job of hiding their problems for me and my siblings, I just assumed that getting divorced was kind of a normal thing and that it didn't really happen for any rhyme or reason. And later, making friends who also had divorced parents only solidified this theory for me. It just seemed like a normal part of family life. So as I was growing up, I didn't even realize how it might have been affecting me and I didn't ever think twice about having divorced parents or about the fact that I went to see my dad on the weekends and that I would be with my mom throughout the week. I can only really ever remember having nights where I would just start crying for no reason. Although at the time, I thought I was just crying because I missed my dad or something. But in retrospect, that was only a small part of what was actually going on. So I continued getting older and just being a normal kid and there were signs that came up along the way to my parents that I might have some type of anxiety or depression going on. I can remember at one point being on medication and going to therapy for a brief period, but I didn't know why. All in all though, whatever depression that I did have seemed to be borderline enough to where I didn't seek any help or was even aware that I had any kind of depression. To be honest, I didn't even know what depression was, so any struggles that I did have I thought were just normal and so I just kept them to myself. Keep in mind that this was all kind of right before there was this huge boom in awareness surrounding mental illness. I actually remember in general conference just a few days before I left on my mission, Elder Holland had given a talk about depression. And this was like the first time ever that a general authority had directly talked about it in a general conference. I don't even think that any mental illness in this category had ever been talked extensively about by any prophet or apostle before this point, so this talk was a really big deal. Of course, I had hardly even paid attention to it because I didn't think that it applied to me. It's kind of ironic how these things work out sometimes, isn't it? So fast forward to my mission and everything started to make more sense. I remember being in the MTC and having this constant anxiety that caused me severe physical pain at times but I just assumed that this was just plain old homesickness and that eventually it would just go away. I even remember one time while everyone was eating lunch and as I was praying over my food, I just started bawling because I couldn't hold my emotions in anymore. Literally, that was basically in front of everyone at the MTC. It was really embarrassing, but part of me was actually a little bit relieved because at least now it was out that I was really struggling and that I needed some help. I've since discovered that that's usually when other people find out that I'm having a hard time. It's just because I get to the point where I have a public mental breakdown because I'm too stubborn to fill anyone in on what's going on before that happens. So you guys should feel really special that I'm telling you about all of this because it's a really hard thing for me to do. I've always had a hard time talking about my emotions and my struggles and so I guess this is just me trying to overcome that. Anyway. So even at this point, even after my breakdown, I still thought that I was just experiencing some bad homesickness. Anxiety and depression were still one of those things at this time that people talked about in hushed tones. So the thought that I could have been experiencing a real clinical depression at the time didn't ever occur to me. So I kept on trucking along, working as hard as I could, and just trying to be the best missionary that I could be. And I'm still experiencing this gut-wrenching darkness on a daily basis. And I think that the hardest part about all of this for me at the time was the fact that because I was always feeling this way, I never felt the spirit, ever. 
No matter how hard I tried, I just couldn't ever feel any inkling of the spirit at all. This was completely crushing to me. It was so devastating. One thing that I looked forward to my whole life about serving a mission was the fact that me and the Holy Ghost were going to be like inseparable and it was going to feel so great. So for me to not ever feel the spirit as a missionary was one of the most crushing things that I'd ever gone through. To me, this meant either that I wasn't worthy or that God didn't love me or that there wasn't even a God at all. And sadly enough, I began believing all these lies because I didn't have any other explanation for why I was feeling like absolute garbage in my every waking moment. It just didn't make any sense to me that even though I was being perfectly obedient, even though I was mustering all the faith I had and holding on to every ounce of hope that I had, that I would still be feeling this way. And it didn't seem to matter what I tried to do. I just couldn't ever feel peace. I couldn't ever see the light. My whole world was darkness. So it came as a complete surprise to me that I had to basically rebuild my testimony from the ground up as a missionary, which actually turned out to be a huge blessing in disguise, but I'll get to that later. So I managed to make it for about three months out there, just trying to survive, and then came Christmas and I was able to FaceTime with my family. Things were a little bit different back then, by the way. Missionaries didn't have smartphones. In fact, companionships had to share a cheap flip phone. We weren't on social media. Our only form of communication with family and friends were emails and letters, and we only ever got to call or Zoom on Christmas and Mother's Day. Okay, so as I was talking to my mom, she immediately recognized what was going on with me. She said that she could just see it in my face. It wasn't until she saw my face that it became clear to her. I had severe clinical depression. When she told me that this is what she thought was going on, it was like the biggest light bulb moment that I had ever had. Everything that I was going through, every experience that I was having, began to make so much more sense. And it honestly felt so good to have some sort of explanation for why all of this was going on. So we set things up to get me on some medication and get me into therapy and just hope that those things would help. And I can talk all day about how much I hate medication because even to this day, it has never helped me, but therapy was a godsend. I was lucky enough to have that resource on my mission and it helped me immensely. Now, did it cure my depression? No. Unfortunately, that's not how it works, but it sure taught me how to deal with it. So from that point on, I continued my mission, working as hard as I could and just getting lost in the work. But I was still feeling really, really discouraged about not being able to feel anything from the spirit. I was so desperate to feel some of that peace and I just couldn't get it. I think that I was probably several months into my mission before I found this article on the church's website that someone had written about their experience with depression. Again, things were a lot different back then. Once a week, we would go to the library to get on the computer for an hour and just get familiar with different resources that we could use to help investigators. And that's literally all the internet time that we had. For a long time, I had been looking around for anything that I could get on depression from the church and there was basically nothing, which is just crazy to think because now there's every resource imaginable for that. Eventually though, I came across this one article and still at this point, I'm kind of believing this lie that I'm either not feeling the spirit because I'm not worthy or because God doesn't love me or that he doesn't exist at all. And I remember reading in this article that a common symptom of depression is not being able to feel the spirit. I don't know why I hadn't ever thought of that before, but once I read that, it made perfect sense. The voice of the spirit is quiet. 
and so intense emotions can easily drown it out. Once I learned this, I began to see everything in a different light. And instead of thinking to myself that I wasn't good enough, I was able to tell myself that this, me having depression, is simply a weakness that I have that has nothing to do with my worthiness or abilities and that because I have this weakness, Christ could turn it into strength. Because I had this weakness, I had more room for Christ to be in my life. So remember how I said I basically had to build my testimony from the ground up? Well, I did. And that turned out to be the greatest blessing that my mission had to offer me. Because I had this inability to feel the Spirit, I had to work so much harder for it. It was like I was a drowning person and the only option that I had of living was to reach up to the surface with all the strength and hope that I could possibly muster. This was the kind of intensity that I had to put into building my relationship with God and it didn't just happen overnight. I think that I had this expectation that if God just let me feel his spirit really powerfully, then everything would just magically be better. What he taught me though is that that wasn't how it worked and that he wanted so much more for me than to just feel good. He didn't just want me to have a testimony. He didn't just want me to fill his spirit. He didn't just want me to be healed. He wanted me to be converted to him. He wants me to become like him. And that's not just something that happens by accident. It doesn't just happen with a lot of wishful thinking. So day after day, week after week, month after month, I was relentlessly turning my thoughts and my attention to him. I wasn't demanding anymore that he would deliver me from my darkness and pain. Instead, I was asking him to help me know how to get out of it and to cope with it. If I wanted to be able to conquer my depression throughout the rest of my life, a simple miraculous deliverance from it wasn't going to do it. I was going to have to learn those skills for myself. So once I had this mindset, once that I saw these things for how they were, I was able to begin rebuilding my testimony and strengthening my conversion to the Savior. And the only thing that kept me from being able to do this wasn't my depression. It wasn't the fact that I couldn't feel the Spirit. It was because of the lies that I was believing about my depression and about my feelings. Once I had the truth, none of that even mattered anymore. Nothing could stop me. So I kept studying the scriptures. I kept asking questions and searching for answers. I kept praying and relying on God. I kept going out every single day to spread the gospel news. And eventually, I noticed the light within my soul growing brighter and brighter. It wasn't just a switch that just turned on. It was like the rising of the sun. It was just like how that scripture in DNC 50 described it. That which is of God is light, and he that receiveth light and continueth in God receiveth more light. And that light groweth brighter and brighter until the perfect day. I am so glad that I had to fight so hard to gain my testimony of the Savior. I'm so glad that I had to go through that experience of rebuilding it. If I had gotten it the way I originally wanted to get it, like I wanted it to just be a light switch that just turned on and lit up everything immediately. But then it could have been turned off just as easily as it was turned on. And then I would have gained this keen sense of feeling the spirit. Yep, that's right. Not only can I recognize the spirit while living with depression now, I even have a heightened sense for it. Something that was once my weakness became my superpower. Just like how Christ promises us, he can turn our weaknesses into strengths. And I think that's what Heavenly Father wanted for me. He wanted me to develop this crucial skill because he wanted me to become something. And that wasn't going to happen by always getting what I wanted. We always think that we know best, but Heavenly Father really always has something greater in mind. 
I know that is so cliche, but it's one of the greatest truths I have ever come to know. And I couldn't have come to know that and experience that if it weren't for some of the heart-wrenching things that I had to go through as a missionary. So I know things are much, much different now than they were 10 years ago. I know that now it's nearly impossible to get approved to serve a proselyting mission if you have any history with mental illness. While I'm grateful that I experienced some of the things that I experienced and that I was able to go on a mission, I am so glad that the church has put things into place to give opportunities for everyone to be able to serve. I'm so glad that they are aware of how challenging it is to serve a mission while struggling with something like depression or anxiety and that they have stepped in to make that decision for you. Our leaders are so inspired. Guys, service missions are missions and they will bless your life in all the same ways that a proselyting mission will. And the work that you will do is just as important. That's an opportunity that I really wish I would have had because after 14 months, I had to come home because of my illness. And that was absolutely devastating to me. I can say from the depths of my heart that I gave the Lord my all. And many times it certainly felt like I was way past the point of giving it my all. But having to come home before I wanted to was crushing. So please have honest conversations with your parents and your leaders and really try to find out if a proselyting mission is best for you. And who knows, maybe you're someone who has a history with depression or some anxiety, but you've gotten on top of it and you still feel like you can serve. I had a good friend a few years back who had a history with depression and because of that, they denied her request to serve a mission. But it was something that she wanted so bad so she kept pushing back. Eventually, they did let her go on a three-month trial mission just to test the waters. And if she did well, then she could receive an official call to serve out the remainder of the time somewhere else. So she went on her trial mission and she totally killed it and she loved it. So she went on to serve for 18 months and she was totally fine. Every situation is going to be different. So don't think that just because you have had some struggles with depression or anxiety that you won't be able to serve a mission if that's what you really want to do. But at the same time, don't feel pressured into thinking that you should try to serve a proselyting mission either. Service missions are a great alternate if you feel like you are struggling or you feel like a proselyting mission would just be bad for your health. Whatever does happen though, just know that the Lord will help you make the most out of whatever path you decide to take. When you are trying to use your agency to follow him, he will help you make the most out of whatever situation you find yourself in. Even though serving a proselyting mission may not have been right for me by today's standards, God was able to consecrate my desires and my trials and everything that I went through for my own good. And he will do the same for you. Guys, my mission was really hard, but it was freaking amazing. And I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. If you don't walk away with anything else from this episode, walk away with that. Just know that whatever kind of mission you do decide to serve, whatever kind of mission you can serve, it'll become so valuable to you that you literally wouldn't trade it for anything. Thank you all for joining me on this episode and remember as always that you guys are awesome and that you've got this. I'll catch you next time. Peace.